It's like a heavy stoner doom rock thing. Like, Trapper. This is Trapper. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, friends, fuck you. Anyway, it's time for Trapo, everybody. It's the show talks about stuff on purpose. I don't know if you know that. It's a thing we say. It's Indeed. the truth, Kai. It's the fucking truth. We talk about stuff on fuck. purpose. Fuck yes. I'm Dustin. I'm Kai. And tonight we are going to be purposely talking about a two-pack of albums from a band called Dungeon Weed. We're talking Dungeon Weed. You may not know what the fuck that is. It's stoner metal, basically. The man calls it a wizard rock or wizard metal or wizard I, doom. I, I, I believe the wizard doom. psychedelic wizard doom. And uh, goddamn, is that a great idea? So, I mean, the broad genre would be like rock metal something they prefer psychedelic wizard doom which is quite accurate because both stories are about a wizard and we've got a one-two punch 2020s the mind palace of the mushroom god and its sequel 2022's the eye of the icosahedron it's one big story basically big sprawling metal psychedelic fucked up weird story fantasy epic about a goddamn wizard i don't know if you would be interested in talking about this since we are fantasy nerds and like talking about these things but i enjoyed that it explores one of the tropes that happens a lot in fantasy with like a wizard who becomes really powerful i'm going to eventually die i heard about this book or this spell that will make me live forever it does not end with them living forever and happily ever after. You're giving away the ending. People are going to tune out. No, that's the beginning. Fucking psychedelic wizard doom is apparently a thing. I mean, I know there's a band called Electric Wizard. I've heard them described in similar terms. Dungeon Weed, the brainchild of a man named Dimitri Mavra. 
He's been in some bands, Kai. I don't know if you have you heard of these bands, Skunk and Slow Phase. You know what those bands are? I don't know what those bands are. I don't know. I never heard of this guy before until very recently. He made the first Dungeon Weed album, Line Palace of the Mushroom God, during the COVID lockdown. That was his. Uh, you know, he he got locked up. Well, he didn't get locked up. He wasn't in prison. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he was in jail when he made this. He was locked down. He had this uh, kind of pervasive sense of doom. Because of the uh, the pandemic, it was a real bad time for a lot of people. Still is. I mean, we can't say it's over because it's not over. He's locked down. He says, you know what? I'm going to make some music. I feel like he just like started going through all of his old D&D manuals, getting inspired, makes up some kind of story about a wizard that wants to live forever, and just fucking made it work. I don't know what the fuck you describe it as. There's a story there. There's a story that spreads across both albums. Yes. Man, most of those lyrics are indecipherable. I did not really prepare notes for this episode. Me. I just listened to the albums and was like, you know what? This is pretty fucking cool. You know what? And, and that's what I was thinking. Instead of dissecting these two albums track by track maybe just talk about a couple of highlights that we loved from both albums talk about why we like them i think that would be good i was genuinely surprised when i read the uh the credits dimitri mavra does not everything but almost everything i saw it was like him and then someone helped on synthesizer and drums yeah. or something that was I mean, pretty he, much it he does the guitar he does the bass he does synthesizer work. He does vocals. He gets Chris McGrew to do the drums. Is it Thea Moonbrook, I think? It's probably Thea Moonbrook. It could be Tia Moonbrook, honestly, for all I know. But I'm going to say Thea Moonbrook to do the uh, the female accompaniment. But goddamn, after listening to these albums, I'd love to hear something else from her. That voice has got, uh, got some uh, bite to it. She's mostly just screaming and it's muted in the background. It works. You can tell from Mind Palace of the Mushroom God to Eye of the Icosahedron, just between those two albums, that her presence in the latter album is much higher. She's much more prominently featured throughout Eye of the Icosahedron. Yeah. So, I mean, I think he understood. He's like, hey, she was kind of my secret weapon for the first album. I'm going to utilize her more in part two. So hopefully if he makes another album under the Dungeon Weed moniker, he gives her more opportunities to shine. I'm not going to say anything bad about Dimitri Mavra's vocals. Every now and then he goes into some kind of like heavy metal cookie monster thing, which I think is <laughs> kind of endearing. Uh, and then, yeah, every once in a while he just mumbling this weird ass shit and you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Are you invoking the devil? He's invoking he's something. There is a very charming lo-fi quality to this whole endeavor. You can tell this yeah. was made at home. This was the little passion project that a guy was doing because he had a little time on his hands mm -hmm. and felt creative. It's a beholder gonna fuck you up. Oh, that's just like yeah. hilarious yeah. but the bass line is yeah it's an adventure man i know one of the things i appreciate about both of these albums is that they very much take their time and they're not in any hurry most metal rock music is fast just by nature but this is in the same genre but slow I fucking dig it. I think that's one of the hallmarks of what they call stoner metal. Right. And this is definitely an offshoot of stoner metal. Yeah. Heavy psychedelic influence throughout this yeah. devil album. There's a bleak storyline being told, but it feels very lurid and colorful. There's shit going down and you feel the weight of it, but at the same time, you're just invested. You're like, I don't even give a shit about the literal storyline because I'm listening 
to the music and the music is taking me on a journey i'm fucking traveling through some dark abyss and i don't know what the fuck's gonna happen but i'm on rails and I, i'm in my little car with the little safety bar comes down i'm going on this yeah. trip i'm going on this trip it's like a spook house through like <laughs> the like mordor yeah mordor and half of the time you're like man i don't I don't know what you're invoking, but this ain't going to end well for you. You've read the flavor text. You've listened yeah. to the music. What exactly would you say is the story bridging these two albums? What's happening? The two sentence fucking punchline. You can take me from beginning to end if you want. I don't care. Like, what would you call the story to the dungeon um, duology? I would say it was about a, a sorcerer in a fantasy world where these types of things are real sorcerers and demons and gods and gelatinous vaults of <laughs> And uh, it's about a sorcerer who searches for immortality. This happens a lot in fantasy novels and uh, oftentimes a bad guy, some weird undead creature. But it was a sorcerer who ends up making a deal with some demon or evil presence. They live forever, but it is not a cool, pleasant afternoon. In this case, I think the wizard becomes the undead and he lives for a thousand years. This reminds me of something else, something I've listened to recently. There's a band, Atramentis, that made an album that came out very recently called Stygian. And Stygian has a very similar story. It's about a guy who won't die i mean literally he won't die he's lived for eons he's still living in the world but the sun is dead the world is an endless dark hellscape nothing but yeah. like frozen winds whipping around that tears flesh which instantly heals so i mean this is like the ultimate nightmare of immortality and that's the whole point he's reliving his memories of a better past and looks up at the sky and there are fewer stars each night because the stars are dying it's a really fucked up bleak metal album but it's great it's a lot more uh, heavy and bleak and dark than uh, the Dungeon Weed stuff. It, it's not fun. <laughs> Stygian by Atramentus is not fun, but it's fun to listen to. If you're in the right mood, it drew parallels to me from this album. To yeah. Like, eh, it's a lot of, there's stuff going on. It is dark shit at uh, Stygian. That's a... It's a hard and version. so the reason I said that wasn't a spoiler is I think that's where the album starts, invoking the name Orcus. of the Orcus Immortalis. Orcus. The bargain isn't struck in Black Pudding, but that's when everything goes wrong. Because yeah. that's when he dies and is resurrected through necromancy. He comes back. And he realizes yeah. that he's trapped in the service of Orcus. He spends the next thousand years in the service of Orcus. The Sorcerer with the yeah. Skull Face. That's basically the first album. So he goes into the Mind Palace of the Mushroom God. Once you go, you can never return. I'm not exactly sure what that means. What do you, what do you, what's going on? I mean, it's cool. The lyrics are fucking cool. And maybe you don't need to think about it. And so that's kind of the outline of the first album. A thousand years later. And that blends perfectly into the first song on the second album. One thousand years alive. The Eye of the Icosahedron, the song One Thousand Years Alive. <laughs> Thousand 
It's fucking great. Yeah. Once again, you can't understand what the fuck he's saying, but it's okay because the lyrics are actually in the flavor text. Yeah. So you can read the lyrics. And the actual song is like, <laughs> that's what it sounds like. Most of it. I think you said never changing, rearranging, right? Yeah, I heard that part. <laughs> yeah. And then this album is where he feels like at this point, he may not even have a body. He's just a presence that has been 1,000 years alive, wandering through a forest and some shit, looking like a weird skeleton sorcerer dude. The second song he has, The Dream. He dreams of the eye. How many times did it come to him? It was like seven nights, seven nights yeah. of dreamed, floating in a crystal sun. course it's not a coincidence that the icosahedron is a 20-sided die that right. goes without saying always a important symbol of dnd fantasy games and shit like that i do love the idea that uh, there's a song on mind palace of the mushroom god called behold they're gonna fuck you up <laughs> yeah <laughs> I have a story. This is only tangentially related. I used to play D&D for a brief period of time in middle school. I got into it because a few of my friends in the gifted program, we had a free period. And so we would start playing during the free period. I'd heard of the game, obviously, but I'd never played it before. We were inside of this decrepit old palace that was overrun with foul spirits. I was a really, I was low level and uh, I was a warrior. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I was having a good time. I love the storytelling of it. A member of our party, the rogue, he discovered there was a beholder in the corridor ahead. Now, I don't know if you know anything about uh, beholders in D&D, but they're bad motherfuckers. You've seen uh, Big Trouble in Little China, right? Yeah. You know that fucking eyeball monster floating around? Mm -hmm. That's basically what a beholder is. Yeah. Only they cast spells. They cast spells with their eyeballs. They have a death ray, disintegration, petrification. No one wants to fuck with a beholder. I did not know this at the time. I was uh, 12 years old. Fuck it, let's do this. I fucking go, I'm going to attack the beholder. And the others, they played D&D before. They knew this. I didn't know. They're like, you probably shouldn't do that. Fuck it. I, I, I attacked the beholder. It doesn't end well for me. That was the end of that first campaign for me because they couldn't revive me. I was dead. I was very, very dead. But, you know, it was an eye-opening moment for me. The biggest eye-opening moment was a member of my party. His name was Cody. He was uh, in eighth grade. He was the cool kid because he was the oldest. He said, man, that Beholder really fucked you up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he did. And it, it's true. It's true. Beholders will fuck you up. I know this from personal experience. Yeah. And apparently a beholder really fucked this guy up because his story didn't end well. Truth in advertising is what that song title is, Kai. This shit's real. I still love the storytelling of D&D. &D. I always have. Yeah. I love that. I think if I'd found a, a group of friends in high school that were more open and were willing to play D&D, &D, it would have been a lot better. Apparently my daughter plays some sort of digital version with some of our friends. One of her friends is a school nerd, and he's also the DM of the after-school library D&D &D club. And I was like, oh, 
I wish I had friends who would have played that. We have a couple of cool game shops in town that they have like a, a back room where they have tournaments for different types of games and oh, yeah. all sorts of sweaty nerds show up and <laughs> yeah. play. They'll teach people chess in the park. Anyway, there's this whole anyway. thing going on. The ongoing story of our, the our, sorcerer. haunted by visions of the eye of the icosahedron. And he summons some kind of horrifying deity, which sounds very Lovecraftian. That's the one where it's like, he's really fucking invoking something. I'm not sure if any of this is even in English. When it's got that many apostrophes and very few vowels. Summons me and like summon it. I don't two, want to be there. Two vowels and 12 letters. Yeah. The odious demon from the necrotic depths of the nether plane. And, uh, I love it. It's like, okay. So the sorcerer is tasked with a quest to discover the icosahedron deep in the psionic abyss. I don't think it's a physical realm. It can't be because he reaches it in dreams. He can only accomplish this task because. He cannot die. He cannot perish. He's being used for this task. That's the best part. After the uh, sleep, what's it called sleeping powder, dream uh, powder. Hold on, hold on. I got, I got to say something about dream powder. If anyone ever wants to make a ten-hour YouTube loop of dream powder, I would fucking play that. And go to sleep every night. <laughs> you might have weird <laughs> dreams, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where I'll end up, but it'd be cool. <laughs> psionic abyss yeah obviously stared at the icosahedron just beyond the door of the meta consciousness as soon as we get past dream powder the music takes us on a fucking journey it is fraught with danger it is spooky and it's amazing and you can feel every step of that journey you can feel the weight of it I feel like an asshole because I don't know how else to describe it, but it's pure dark fantasy. This isn't Tolkien. This is closer to Moorcock, but with a greater psychedelic influence. There's no good guys. There's lots of bad yeah. guys. It's the wizard who uh, wasn't necessarily good or evil after he made the deal and became the skull-faced sorcerer. It's pretty apparent that he was not a nice dude. I don't remember anywhere hearing him doing anything atrocious except for, like, I think it says he's scaring people or something. It's in the text. As I sat in prison in the darkness of isolation in his majesty's dungeon without quiller parchment for a crime of which I was unfortunately most guilty, had I not pushed the boundaries of reality in a vain attempt to conquer death itself, had I not un hideous powers upon the kingdom that caused so much pain and destruction had I not inflicted upon myself what may be the ultimate curse. He did something very, very bad. He definitely crossed some boundaries and some very, very bad things happened as a result. The whole point of The Eye of the Icosahedron as an album is the sorcerer's quest to 
rid himself of Orcus's influence. He wants to be free from his cursed existence. And in the end, when you get through Time Crash, it's the coolest track on the fucking album. That's him looking into the eye of the Icosahedron and seeing all of reality, all 20 planes of reality, and seeing himself reflected back in all of them. The great echo effects that really add a sense of, uh, it's a sense of vertigo almost. You have no idea where you are in time because you're everywhere. crashing through time itself it's a sense of disorientation there that's what everything's falling apart he's falling through time but and well, if, hold, hold on though hold on we gotta go back before he gets the eye i was grooving on this journey and suddenly time crash happens and i feel like fucking bottom drops out for me i understand let's rewind i was just gonna talk about descent into the psionic abyss well how could we not it's like seven and a half minutes Shit doesn't get serious till like four and a half minutes in. It's the wizard's journey from just being a wandering fucking skeleton sorcerer dude as like a ghost or a spiritual creature blasted into the dream world or whatever the fuck is going on. I guess you'd say it was his astral self, maybe? Yeah, that'd be a good way to put it, probably. That kind of encompasses whatever you want to fucking call his his being that is not a physical being anymore. It kind of reminds me of what we were talking about with the Chris Bell album about uh, the collective unconscious. Yeah. Like, that's kind of what that is. This is him yeah. delving deep into the, the center of everything, and that's where the icosahedron resides. It's in the center of everything, and the only way to get there is within. You have to go inside to find yeah. it. If you make it through the maze... Was buried within the gelatinous vault of doom, which I just imagined as a giant mountain of green slime with the fucking glowing icosahedron in the middle of it somewhere. Yeah, the gelatinous vault of doom itself is an entity because it's trying to consume his soul. But since he can't die, which obviously at this point includes his soul, it can't stop him. You can imagine whatever the fuck you want right there. It doesn't matter. The story's different in every person's head who's listening to the music. I mean, it could have just been like a real vault and you open a vault door. To me, it was just like some weird fucking giant glowing gelatinous fucking monstrosity. The glowing 20-sided die in the yeah. center of it all. Mesmeric scintillation. <laughs> Mesmeric scintillation. So fucking funny and weird. But gelatinous vault of doom is also kind of a little bit humorous just because of the way you say it. That's one of those parts where like the heavy metal cookie monster shows up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
none of this is an insult, by the way. None no. of it. I'm saying that with perfect love because I adore this. Yeah, movie. I would say we both love these fucking albums. I love the heavy metal Cookie Monster, Kai. Yeah. So anyways, he approaches it. He touches it. And then, like you said, with Time Crash, that's when he touches it and absorbs its fucking knowledge and is blasting off to whatever fucking wherever he wants to go back to before he made the deal. That's the interesting part. The part where everything comes full circle. Not from the beginning of the album, but from the beginning of Mind Palace of the Mushroom God. One of the most prominent lines in Orcus Immortalis. That's the whole mission statement of the character. And then when you get to Return to Forever Sleep. It comes full circle, and it's kind yeah. of beautiful. The second he felt his physical body again, he chugged some poison and died. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's done. He gets his wish, even though it doesn't feel like it to him. Because right. you know he thought he was going to get some kind of reward in the end. This isn't exactly how I wanted it to work out. I'm back where it all started before I made the deal. Fuck it, I just want to die. So I guess he rolled the 20-sided die. He got the role he wanted. Or maybe good enough. The role I... he wanted would have been to be like, the strong young version of himself is a powerful fucking wizard who will never die. But if that's not going to happen, choice number two is if you could actually die before you made the deal and then it never happened at all. A thousand years that never were. A thousand years that never were, yeah. His memories all scrambled. It leaves you with this little doubt. Was it all just in his imagination from the beginning? Was it some kind of final destination thing where he had a vision of what would happen if he made the deal and then decided to go the other route? Or did retrieving the icosahedron actually give him a second chance? And the thing is, it doesn't really matter. One way or another, it doesn't matter. You know, obviously I choose to believe that finding the icosahedron gave him that second chance and he chose, instead of making the deal, he chose to check out. That makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, you could look at it a lot of ways too, because if you go super nerdy and then he did roll the dice... There could be a lot worse things that could have happened. He could have just gone back to the way it was. Never-ending fucking skull-faced sorcerer zombie. That apparently did not sound very pleasant. He did not like that. It didn't seem like a real pleasant time for him. And that's what always happens. In, that's why I mentioned earlier at the beginning, the kind of wizard trope. It, it happened in an R.A. Salvatore story. Either way, Return to Forever Sleep fucking ends this shit maybe i read a review that said they saw it as more of a to be continued and i did not see it that way at all that seemed like a pretty definitive ending to me now i don't yeah. know maybe when if dimitri mavra wants to make another dungeon weed album it'll be like the third chapter in a trilogy i don't know maybe it'll be something yeah. completely different this felt like an ending to me these two albums felt like one story i was like oh, i fucking love it and I've probably listened to both these albums five times in the last, like, two weeks, whatever. I just fucking love the way they take their time. One of the best ways I saw them described in, like, uh, reviews and comments was sludgy. Because it's so slow. It's, like, dragging. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, <laughs>
And then it's, it doesn't get any faster than that. No. <laughs> and, then, and then you're like four and a half minutes into a seven minute song, the guitar comes in and it just like and shreds your fucking face off for a minute and a half. It never sprints. You feel the weight yeah. of every footstep. All the way the through the happen. swamp. This horrifying psychedelic marsh. I love that uh, Mind Palace of the Mushroom God is only six tracks long and yet it's a feature length album. It's, <laughs> it's 41 minutes. Yeah. I was walking and I listened to it. I wasn't necessarily aware of like the track changing. You know, I was just kind of absorbing it. I looked at it later. I was like, oh, it's only six songs, but it's 46, 48 minutes long. So the whole shit. album, yeah. And then, and then I, the Icosahedron is 16 songs. 16 and tracks. It's 80 minutes long or something. Hour and 16 minutes? Hour and 14? Yeah. It's definitely telling a fucking story. Like I said before, you don't need to understand all the lyrics to get that story because it's trying to paint a picture in your mind. If you're like us and you have a great love for fantasy literature and fantasy as a genre, you listen to this music. There's a story being created in your head while you're listening to the music. Definitely. The other interesting part is I listened to both of them in order back to back before I had read anything about them. And I was already like, all right, there's a wizard and some weird shit's going on and it did not go good for him. A Thousand Years Alive makes it pretty fucking clear and you can understand those <laughs> lyrics. It, it was not a pleasant thousand years. And then when I read the track info, it was like, it could have been the greatest sorcerer ever known. All right, I'm in. I'm sold. He could have been the greatest sorcerer, but though he wanted more, uh, he got uh -huh. more, more than he bargained for. Yeah, which is what always happens to kind of wizard sorcerer trope when they go for the deal with whatever fucking entity can promise you eternal life because it, it ain't going to be good. I just want to know what sent him the vision of the icosahedron. What right. being sent him those visions? Was it the icosahedron itself reaching out to him? It said it took the guise of a beautiful woman with a dulcimer. He couldn't understand what she was saying, except for that one phrase. He summoned a Lovecraftian god to help him understand what the fuck he was seeing. Oh, I need to go there. This might help me end my fucking suffering. I'll just take a fucking day trip to the psionic abyss and we'll see what happens. Well, yeah, through dumb luck, with the guidance of some unseen hand, I reached the center of the maze. There towered a cyclopean mountain of putrid slime, poisonous quivering ooze, a gelatinous vault of doom. I saw the crystal hidden inside, shining bright inside the beast. He describes it as a beast. It is alive and it's hungry. So yeah, dumb luck or guidance of some unseen hand. Everything else gets lost in this psionic abyss. He made it through the inner maze of the outer mind. Only he could. Yeah, I don't know. I, I saw another review. It has risen once again, and it is nasty. <laughs> that made me laugh like a fucking idiot. <laughs> Sounds about right. It's like, you know what? You're right. It's, it's like the opposite of Jesus. He came back. Just to die, not for your sins, for his sins. Because it was not going to work out the way he wanted to. That was his only fucking choice at that point. It's a stupid thing, but it's like, well, why couldn't you just not do either? Just, you know, if you're if you're really there back in the past, why don't you just say, hey, you know, I'll just uh, keep doing what I'm doing. I think also after a thousand years, he would know that it would end the same way. He understood that no matter what happened, the temptation would eventually be too great. At he would succumb. Point, no, it'll be worth it this time. I know what's going to happen so I can make better decisions. No, you won't. You'll fuck it up. If it wasn't Orcus, it would have been some other other fucking demon or fucking like you said lovecraftian god that he fucking summons to 
try to do some other shit that's like, yeah, I'll make a deal with you, but it's not going to end well for you. At least you got to die in the end. And, and, the, and that, that is a happy ending in the sense of the psychedelic dark wizard doom rock. It's as, it's as happy as the ending is going to get. Yeah. He got to die, you know, after 1,000 years of... How can you not like this fucking music? I mean, if you're a fantasy nerd like me or you, and you listen to this shit, it's right up your alley. You're weaving stories in your head when you're listening to this stuff. It's all coming to life in your mind's eye. Isn't it great how the imagination works? Isn't it great? Yeah, it sounds so kind of grungy but it's very well done i don't know dream powder sounds like a a led zeppelin interlude on an album and then shit gets serious you're listening to dream powder you can hear the sorcerer making the dream powder you can hear him yeah. doing it and then he falls into the psionic abyss and everything goes to hell what a wonderful wonderful hell it is for us yeah i sent you that text the other day i want to live in descent into psionic abyss and you're like you get it i'm glad you get it we're gonna talk about this and i've been walking around slow head banging with my airpods on for fucking two weeks since he told me to listen to this and i also told everyone i know who likes kind of metal music that they should fucking listen to this shit i just think it's top notch you can tell listening to it like i said before it's homemade stoner sludge metal arcane wizard doom what a great term wizard doom that's exactly what this shit is <laughs> and that and is the... exactly what i fucking down for and yeah <laughs> so... it, yeah it turns out that's what we like dimitri mavra chris mcgrew and thea moonbrook please make some more cool metal music i want to hear these motherfuckers make a whole bunch of music together i'll be there with bells on just fucking make more music now so i can listen to it i know i the icosahedron just came out but can you make another album can we do this can we get an album soon i would listen to a, a, another installment of this insane epic saga every month for the rest of my life this shit is top notch for me and i love it that leads me to the question kai it's the question that's on the lips of well myself and probably no one else let's be honest do dungeon weeds mind palace of the mushroom god and the Eye of the Icosahedron, do they belong in the Chapo Essentials canon? Well, I gotta tell you, this is one of those things that may not be for everybody, but it's definitely for us. Fuck yeah, they're in the canon. Spoiler alert, it's our fucking canon. <laughs> yeah, we enjoy your suggestions, but we light the fuse on this motherfucker, and we're putting this weird sludgy fucking metal rock shit in here, because goddamn we need it right now i've been listening to this shit a lot that's why i think it bookends so well with those two lines to live forever is my only wish and to sleep forever is my only wish that's why i'm looking at this and saying that's not a question mark that's a period yeah this is a loop you can make more dungeon weed albums if you want but i don't see how they will continue the story of the sorcerer because it ended right it ended at the beginning which is cool whatever you want to make dimitri mavra just fucking make it soon because i can listen to it before i die before the world <laughs> i can put it in my brain because it's coming all i gotta do is listen to one more dungeon weed album i think i'm ready for the big ride baby yeah i think i'll know all the spells i need to fucking <laughs> to 
to make yeah, it through this shit. Yeah, I might be paying Orcus a visit soon, you know. <laughs> yeah. I don't mind being a skull face sorcerer. Let's be honest here. I'll, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll be an improvement. That doesn't sound too bad. But... I don't know what this fucking <laughs> pussy's wiser about. I don't see what the is here. Oh, no, I'm in service to a demon lord. It's a step up from where I am now. Are you kidding me? Orcus, let's have a conversation. Let's do lunch. I'll make you an omelet. You'll have a good time. I like what's happening in all this shit. Yeah. To live it all again, even in a flash, when all I really wanted was to forget at last. Yeah. Spinning through forgotten the- decades, falling through time. Psionic wormhole dreams go flickering by. Anamnesis flashback vision blinding my mind's eye. Fuck. I don't know, but I like yeah, it. I don't know what that means, but I'm fucking there. So much. There's so much going on. I mean, I'm in it. So we have inducted Dungeon Weed's Mind Palace of the Mushroom God and the Icosahedron into the Travel Essentials Canon. A joyous day for fantasy nerds all around the world. I want to draw fan fiction art. Yeah. That's what this makes me want to I'm just in. Whatever Dimitri Mavra wants to do next, I'm in. What a wonderful surprise. Exactly. I would agree. If I had to give it, give it a one-sentence review, it would be like a wonderful fucking surprise. It's not a debate. No. There's no question. Wait, wait. It's called Psychedelic Wizard Doom? Okay. Yeah, no. No, it's it, it's in the fucking canon already. You have a song called Beholder Gonna Fuck You Up? Okay. Mm-hmm. You win. Obviously, you're not taking this shit that seriously. Because <laughs> Beholder Gonna Fuck You Up, that is like the chorus of the song. There's no pretense here. This is just, he's having a good time. This dungeon weed stuff is, uh, it's good shit. That was our uh, nerdgasm look at the dungeon weed duology i don't know who this was for kai other than ourselves i really don't i don't know you know what it doesn't matter sometimes you do something for yourself and that's that's what this is we had a good time listening to this music we will continue to have a good time listening to this music dungeon weed kicks ass if you're listening to this episode and you're still on the fence you need to stop riding that fence desperado and fucking listen to dungeon weed because it's going to melt your fucking face off. So that's it for this episode of Trapo, the show that talks about dungeon weed on purpose. If you'd like to join the conversation, dear listener, it's so fucking easy. So fucking easy. Go to the official Trapo blog. That's traposhow.blogspot.com. T-R-A-P-P-O show.blogspot.com. Find the post of your choosing. Leave a comment and we will feature it on a uh, future installment of Trapo's Mailbag. We're going to have a blast, okay? Tell us what you want to hear. What do you want in the canon? You know, make a case for it. We'll listen to it. We'll give it a shot. We want to know what you thought of Dungeon Weed. Tell us how awful it is and how awful we are for liking it. We'll tell you to go fuck yourselves and delete your comments. We don't care. It'll happen. Tell them about the email. It's, it's all the same. <laughs> you know what else? You can send us an email. It's uh, no surprise. Show at gmail.com. And uh, you can tell us whatever the fuck you feel like. Just send us an email, please. We really want to hear from you, even if you think we suck. I don't give a shit if you send us, like, one line that says, fuck Dungeon Weed and fuck you. I don't care. <laughs> send us an email yeah. at show at gmail.com. I want to know. We're not going to sell your email. I promise. No, no. We probably will just get drunk and forget to respond to you. Right. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. And we appreciate you, dear listeners. Until next time, stay the fuck off the internet.
that talks about stuff on purpose is a Fenderman Incorporated production.